You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to a uh, fun edition, a new new edition of Mile High Report Radio. Um, Ian and I are pretty stoked, as you may have noticed on some of our, our tweets over the last few days. Uh, Ana Cabrera is joining us uh, from CNN, CNN News anchor Ana Cabrera. Um, and Ana, you're not just a CNN News anchor. You uh, have some connections to Colorado as well. Uh, you used to work at Channel 7, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And you are a gigantic Broncos fan. Huge Broncos fan, born and raised in Denver, just as I know you guys are as well. And so once you are a, a Denver Broncos fan, you never go back. And I can't remember being alive and not being a Broncos fan, which I think is already trickling down to my children as well. My daughter was so excited to wear her Broncos shirt this weekend as we were pumping up for this podcast with you guys. Um you know, being in Colorado, uh, Broncos is everything. It, it gives us a chance to have spirit. It gives us a chance to have camaraderie. And uh, Broncos play with so much heart where that enthusiasm for life and for something to be passionate about is uh, infectious. And so, yeah, go Broncos. Were your parents... Broncos fans so did, did they pass it on to you or your dad and then it and it, it just grew from there like for me my mom and her dad were huge Broncos fans so I'm a third generation Broncos <laughs> fan <laughs> only it's, with I mean, me my it's it, it's infested to something my mom never even imagined that seriously. it would come with me so I'm just curious about if your parents were fans and and if it was passed totally. on to you. Totally. I And the funny thing is, neither of my parents are Colorado natives. They both ended up there from different areas. My dad from California, my mom from Wisconsin. So as you can imagine, she's also a Green Bay fan. But again, because Colorado and Denver has such spirit for the Broncos, and it's a team full of good guys, not just good players, not just talented athletes, but good people, people you want to root for. My parents have always been huge Broncos fans, and I don't know why they became Broncos fans other than when they moved there. They just caught the fever, so to speak. Um, and so growing up, it was we were Broncos fans from the day I was born. I've never known otherwise. And even when we play the Packers, which my husband's family is from Wisconsin, um, so there's always a little bit of a, a, a dueling rivalry when the, the two take on each other. But even when we play the Packers, everybody's rooting for the Broncos because you can't help but love them. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, um, so I'm also a I don't know if I'm a third, I wouldn't call myself a third generation fan, but my dad grew up in the shadow of Mile High uh, in North Denver. So definitely kind of, it just mm. becomes a part of you. And, and my mom grew up in Greeley, Colorado, um, so which I'm sure yeah. you've smelled before. And so she's, there you, you know, go. all... Got to get the Greeley joke in. I got I to, you know, I just <laughs> plopped it out there and expected it to perform. Well, you know what? My parents live in Longmont now. Growing up, my I had grandparents who had a farm in Longmont, so I'm all too familiar with the smell of an agricultural ah. area. 
So is that where you're? So you say you're from Denver, but is it Denver proper? I know a lot of people. I'm from Denver. You know, people like I live in the Chicago mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. Everybody out here's from Chicago, but nobody actually lives in Chicago. So is it kind of the same, or were you in Denver growing up? Grew up in Denver and Littleton. Started out there kind of in the shadow of Mile High as well, but just a little bit further north, I guess, if I get my directions right. Uh, a little bit in the Berkeley neighborhood or what is now, I guess, Sunnyside is yeah. where my family first lived. And then we moved to Littleton. Uh, so Denver, Littleton, and then, you know, my last stint in Colorado before this current position moving us to New York, we were right there in the Highlands neighborhood, uh, not far from Broncos Stadium. And so, yeah, it's it's just live and breathe Denver. What is your first Broncos memory? Honestly, I can't remember my first memory, but I'll tell you one big event that I do remember, and that was Super Bowl, uh, was it 32? 1998 Broncos versus Packers. Again, my mom's from Wisconsin, so that had extra meaning. And I'm going to date myself, but that was the first Super Bowl that the Broncos went to that I can remember because the the prior Super Bowls, I was really too young to be paying enough attention. Um, And then, of course, that was like one for the storybooks, right? John Elway against Brett Favre, these two quarterback legends, Packers defending Super Bowl champions, Broncos, the wild card team that year, total underdogs, just a battle, good game the whole way. And then the Broncos come out victorious. I mean, that year, that team was like just kitchen table conversation. I mean, I grew up with, People like Terrell Davis and John Elway, of course, but also Ed McCaffrey and Shannon Sharp and Rod Smith and Gronkowski and all these guys, or Romanowski, I mean, John Mobley, Steve Atwater, <laughs> you know, Gronkowski or I'm just Romanowski. But these these were like household names in my family. It was almost like they were part of our family. So that was a really, really thrilling memory of mine in terms of really feeling the excitement of being a Broncos fan going on to obviously win the Super Bowl was was huge. And it it hadn't happened for several Super Bowls prior. And obviously, after that, it took a while to to get that magic back. Every single every single fan from our generation remembers that game and, and has a memory from it. And so I everyone can connect with that. Do you remember the first game you attended live? So we didn't have very many games going going to games live. I grew up with a family of five kids on my dad's educator salary. My mom stayed home with us. So we didn't have the money to spend to go to the stadium. Most of my memories are from, you know, watching in front of the TV, eating nachos and pizza and having these big get-togethers with neighbors. Um, and now as we've all grown up, my extended family with, you know, my sisters and brothers now married and kids of their own, you know, big Broncos parties at somebody's house every weekend was sort of the tradition um, growing up. And that's what I remember most. And I have been to the Broncos games live, um, you know, in the later years, my parents, since I've been an adult, my parents were able to split season tickets with another family. And um, frankly, the ones that I ended up 
being given to have an opportunity to go in the stadium were preseason games. And I was like in the nosebleeds and the hot summer sun, you know? And so that's what I remember. But the cool thing about going to the stadium, I will say what really stands out to me for the few, from the few times that I have been is the mix of different people, the diversity of demographics who are going to those games live. I mean, you have people who are, you know, retired, a little more elderly. You have the young kids and families. You have the hardcore fans. Well, I guess everybody's pretty much a hardcore fan if you're going. But, you know, the young who are painted and, you know, have have their shirts off and they have their, you know, body paint and that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's such a mix of people Um, I love that. I love that about Broncos fans. You can't, you never know who is going to be a Broncos fan because it really does suit every single demographic. There's something we all have in common. Yeah. It's a, being, being a fan of the Broncos is, it's such a community feeling too. I mean, even, um, you know, even like online, because there's one of the things that Ian and I have discovered in doing the podcast and uh, writing for milehighreport.com is that we have, as, as Broncos fans, we have people who we can connect with all over the world. Um, and, and from, like you said, very diverse and, and different backgrounds. I, I like that you've sort of, you know, tapped into that because there is that interesting dynamic of people who have different backgrounds and, and different ideas about the world and come from different places. We can all kind of come together mm-hmm. and, you know, co- come together on Sundays and, and watch yeah. the Broncos. I think that that's a, a cool thing. I think that's a neat thing around sports in general, but the Broncos to me, have always been sort of the pinnacle of that. Because I feel like other teams maybe don't have as much of that as, as the Broncos do. I get that sense as well. And given my day job is to cover the news 24-7 on CNN, and the level of polarization that we have currently in our society and across the country, I agree with you that it's so refreshing to be able to connect with people of all from all walks of life of all diverse backgrounds over a common, you know, shared passion um, and sense of camaraderie with the Broncos. It, it really does allow you to just forget about what's going on and all the, the divisiveness and mm-hmm. a lot of times the hatred and just gather around one common thing that we can all agree on. And that's the Broncos kick ass. <laughs> exactly. Well, except for when they don't, but yes. <laughs> Which is the last two years. Uh, It's been it's been a little bit tough to be a Broncos fan lately, you know, especially last year in particular. I felt like that was a real discouraging season. But I do believe that one Broncos have always shown that heart. And I think we maybe perform best as underdogs. I mean, when you think about the years that. John Elway at the helm as a quarterback was having to claw his way back and while always talented and playing with heart and uh, with grit consistently. I mean, that is a, I I feel like a a telltale sign of of a Bronco is that grit that they have. And so that gives me some optimism for the year ahead, especially now they have this new quarterback who has some good experience, who's shown leadership qualities, who has, you know, had some momentum coming off the last season, taking the helm and taking the reins. Uh, Hopefully that will give the Broncos some momentum starting out this season. So 
just to kind of play into that, what is what is your take on the current uh, situation for the Broncos? Do you see um, do you see a, a bounce back season? Do you see? I, I hate to ask people to make predictions, especially before we've even gotten to training camp. But <laughs> I know, right? I probably I might not get this opportunity again. Do you do you think the Broncos, with the changes that they've made um, heading into this new this next season, do you think that they've done the things that they need to to turn it around and get back to the top of the division and and into the playoffs? I don't know. I think it could be as simple as just changing that key leadership position at quarterback because we still have very talented wide receivers. I mean, we didn't lose our our big guns, Demarius Thomas, Manuel Sanders. You still have Virgil Green out there. We still have a strong defense with Von Miller. And now, you know, I know there's a lot of excitement around Bradley Chubb being maybe part of the dynamic duo between him and, and Von Miller now on defense. You still have Shane Ray, you still have Derek Wolf. Um, you still have Chris Harris Jr. on defense. So I feel like a lot of that, the, the core talent that was there for the last Super Bowl win is still there. And I mean, yeah, it's the, it's a building year. We have this new coach who came in and obviously is going to make some adjustments moving forward after what happened last season. But I'm optimistic um, given the the quarterback musical chairs that happened last year, seems like there's a lot of rallying around this this one quarterback this year who, again, comes in with a lot of experience that hopefully there's less to build on and uh, there's a greater base um, for our team to succeed from. How will you know the team is successful? What And what will make it a successful season in your eyes? If we make the playoffs, I think I would be pumped, you know, to get to the postseason. Um, everyone wants to go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. If we went there, I would be extra excited, obviously. But I think that that's what would be a success. That's a stepping stone toward the Super Bowl. And just to have a winning record, for one, would be a good start. Um, you know, getting pretty beat up last year, 5-11. and 11. Anything is better than that to some degree. I mean, there's not not many places to go but up from there. But I think getting to the playoffs would be tremendous after having a losing season last year. Are we, as Bronco fans, are we maybe a little bit spoiled? Like I, I, when I have this conversation about what makes a successful season, a lot of times it's, you know, like you said, it's getting to the playoffs and things like that. But with the, the season that the Broncos had last year is is eight and eight really enough for Bronco fans or is or are we so spoiled that we just couldn't accept anything less than a playoff (laughs) oh it's so tough to say because you remember the years of John Fox where he got to the playoffs year after year and yet that wasn't even good enough getting to the playoff wasn't even good enough and you know he was out um I, I don't know. I personally, for me, if if we have a winning season, I would be excited about that because at least, you're, you know, every single game you're going in thinking we could win this, we could lose this, but we could win this, we could win this. Um, where last year, I have to say, it was it was tough to, to stick with the Broncos and want to watch the games because we had so many tough, big losses where you just felt like, oh, I don't know, you know, the week in and week out, you felt like, oh, this, I wonder what's going to happen. You had less excitement. So uh, eight and eight wouldn't be a bad place to start. But if we could get to the playoffs, that would be a huge success and then go to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's like beyond wild, wildest dreams at this point. Anna, you said the you said the key trigger word yeah, you, on this podcast, John Fox. John Fox, you triggered it. <laughs> oh, is that a trigger word? <laughs> it, it is for Ian. It is for Ian. We, he, uh. 
Ian's hatred hatred for John Fox may only be outdone by my hatred for Josh McDaniels. Um, <laughs> oh no! We sort of you know we go back and forth on that. So. <laughs> it does go back and forth. Where do you guys stand on John Elway? Uh, in terms of the general manager or quarterback? Or- yes, at, it, both. As a quarterback? It's the same person. Correct. As a quarterback, he's the best to ever play the position. Greatest of all time. As a general manager, I think he will go down as one of the best executives with what he's been able to accomplish. I think he's... I I always... Adam and I always come back to this. Because this has been thrown out a lot. If If you separate... Or if you if you take Joe Montana off the 49ers and put him in Denver mm-hmm. and put John Elway in San Francisco with Bill Walsh, that team doesn't lose. Hmm. Yeah, you're not talking about the Miami Dolphins being the last undefeated team in NFL history. It's it's one of those, you know, 80s, 90s San Francisco 49ers teams, in my opinion. And I think if you look at Elway, the general manager, the executive, he is he's he's a shrewd businessman, and I think he's proven mm-hmm. that since he mm-hmm. retired. And he's very harshly judged by a lot of people and rightfully so it's a, you know, sports is one of those industries where if you're not, if you're not winning, you're out, you know, we don't have time Mm -hmm. for losers, but John Elway means so much to the franchise. I think that that's Mm -hmm. really the, the heart of it all is for, for most Bronco fans, he is, he is the Denver Broncos. And when you do, anytime you do a list of, you know, who are the greatest Denver Broncos in history, you always, almost always have to say besides John Elway, because everybody knows the answer to the greatest. So what about the rest of the guys? And I think as right. a general manager, he has that cushion from the fans, but he's also proven. I mean, he, he came in to turn the Broncos around after the yep. Josh McDaniels years, won a Super Bowl, went to another one, uh, built a team that was a contender every year until Peyton Manning left. And and now I think this is where you start to really learn about whether or not John Elway is a great general manager. Can he now make this Denver Broncos team, this version of the Denver Broncos, a great team. Because he's the one who built that defense. He's the mm-hmm. one who, he drafted Von Miller, sort of almost forced, but he did draft Von Miller. Uh, you know, he brought in Chris Harris Jr. He traded, you know, he went and got a keep to lead. He brought in DeMarcus Ware. I mean, all of these people who came in and became big parts of the Denver Broncos Super Bowl win, those are guys that John Elway brought in. Right, right. And that's why I bring up his name. Because that's what gives me the most hope for this season is that he chose not to draft a quarterback. He believes in Case Keenum. And I believe that was where the Broncos had the biggest failure last year was just that hole at quarterback, that that hole of a leadership position there. And again, it was musical chairs with uh, Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon. And, you know, one, those poor guys never really had a chance to fully you know, make adjustments perhaps because there was always that revolving door. But I think, you know, with the confidence Elway has in Case Keenum and giving him the latitude to really own this team without having some young gun who was drafted breathing down his neck, that gives me a little bit of confidence in in the approach moving forward this year because – I do have such confidence in John Elway, and if he's the guy at the helm, I think he's he's a he's a real strategist. I 100% agree with you. What what is the biggest question mark in your in your mind heading into this season? 
I think the biggest question mark is, one, will our defense show up like they did two years ago? Or will they be porous like we saw this past year? And two, um, will our offense connect? Because that's the other piece of it, right? Even if Case Keenum comes in and he's throwing bullets and right on the money, there's that chemistry piece that uh, needs to happen with with connecting with the receivers. And I feel like, again, those pieces were all kind of a mess last year. Um, We have such good talent. It's how do they mesh all together? And so I think, you know, I'll be watching defense first because I think um, defense is is that line you you brought up with John Elway coming in, building the defense, and that ultimately can lead to success. It can give our offense time to figure out their chemistry as long as they're able to keep the score down on the other end. What are you most excited about? I'm just excited to start winning again. Amen to that. Just just be, get some more W's, right? Get back into the win column. A, a, a more few often. more W's. I mean, I I even was thinking about Tim Tebow's, you know, time with the Broncos, which was short-lived. But part of what was so exciting about his time there was, you know, he had some of these comeback wins that were just unreal. There was some magic that you just felt. And I want that magic back back with our Broncos. As long as it doesn't come with Tim Tebow, I'm fine with that. I <laughs> Well, I brought up his name because see, that's where I'm coming from. It doesn't take a lot to get me excited about Broncos. We just need some some serious spirits showing we're competitive. And as long as those games are competitive, you know, that that's the, that's where we need to get before we can, you know, start to have this expectation of winning all the time. Um, so I'm curious, you, you work in a, in, in the news industry, right? You're, you're over at CNN having a good time. Um, what was it like working with with Jake Tapper when the Eagles won the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, one thing you have to know about CNN is it's such a gigantic organization that we're all spread out in different parts of the country. I didn't I didn't have that direct interaction with Jake Tapper when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So, I couldn't answer that question wholeheartedly other than we all know what a big Eagles fan he is. And, you know, I, I have to say I wasn't, you know, I wasn't rooting against anybody in particular. So I was sort of on that Eagles bandwagon because I felt like they were the underdogs. And, uh, and obviously there were some of my colleagues who were gigantic fans. So I was, I was there. I was happy for him and for all Eagles fans. And any yeah. Tom Brady loss is a good Tom is a, is a good well, loss. Well, yeah, there is that too. <laughs> I, I hate to go negative, but yeah, you know, you, you, Patriots, you, Patriots, Patriots. You can you can go negative on Tom Brady. That, that's okay. I think you'll have a lot of support on that one. That one you'll get a lot of support from, especially from us. We're, <laughs> we don't like that guy. No. You, are there any are there any Bron- fellow Broncos fans in the newsroom that you can lean on? Like especially last year with the with the tough times and almost feeling defeated before they took the field, do you at least have that? No, but I do have uh, a producer who is from Kansas. So as you can imagine, she's a big Chiefs fan, and she and I had a little bit of the misery loves company going on at times. Um, given she's had many many years of of bad Chiefs. Uh, seasons and so she was able to commiserate a little bit with me when the Broncos weren't playing so well. 
And hopefully that misery continues. Right, exactly. I, I, yeah, this year we're gonna get we're gonna get back. No, yeah, we we uh, we are we'll be happy to see the Chiefs lose again. You know, that's kind of one our one of our things. They've they've never even won their own trophy, right? The Lamar Hunt Trophy, named for you know their their owner, and he's, they've never won it. I just that's one of Which my favorite great. stats. I mean, imagine being a Broncos fan and that being the case where you don't have these moments of complete glory to get you through those tough times. I mean, that's what it would be like to be among the Chiefs fans or even the Raiders fans at times. So I feel like weathering the storm as a Broncos fan is actually a lot better than other teams have had to deal with. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, that ties back to to John Elway and even Pat Bowen, and I, just that that commitment to steal to steal the line, that commitment to excellence. Right, they figure it out. Oakland, no, no, like, these these guys know what to do. They know what winning is like, and they are so battle hardened and so focused. I I trust that they really know what is needed to put together a winning combination and maybe it doesn't happen in one year but maybe it does yeah it would be a big turnaround for sure but it's it like i think you said it it feels like they have all of the pieces there it's a matter of making them mesh i think that goes back to vance joseph and his job and um can he learn from the mistakes that he made last Mm -hmm. year and become a better coach, a better head coach uh, this year. You know, the 2018 season is going to be um, an important one for his career as a, as a coach in the NFL, period. Because if he doesn't turn things around, if they don't, you know, I, I would say if they don't start off 4-0 or, or, or you know, 3-1, mm-hmm. he's looking at, at being out of a job before the season even gets going. Right, right. Do you have I, faith in Vance Joseph? I don't. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I want to. I'm rooting for him, no doubt about it. I have faith in John Elway, and that's why that gives me, you know, a little bit of confidence in, in Vance Joseph if Elway says he's the guy. Um, and I want him, obviously, to win. I know he wants to win, so I hope that he pulls it together. It's an interesting answer because I feel like every time we ask somebody that question, they say no. And you actually didn't just say no. You kind of said, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> So you were, he didn't get. I mean, he obviously doesn't have a great track record as a Broncos head coach. I'm, I'm not going to call it a vote of confidence, but it's the closest thing he's received that I that I've heard in a long time. So I'll, it's more gray than the, the black and white that we usually. Use. I mean, is, right. that, is that the politically correct answer that I just gave you? Maybe I, I don't know if it's politically correct so much as I think it's the right answer. Yeah, I, because there's just there's too much we don't know. I mean, I, obviously we we know what he was last year and in my mind, he was an incompetent head coach last year. It was just too much for him. And whether or not with a quarterback now and with coaches around him that he wants, whether or not that's enough to, to make him more competent, we will, mm-hmm. we will see in the coming months. You know, it's an, you, you bring up an interesting point, Ian, and, and Anna, I think I'd like to hear your take on it. He's Vance Joseph and, and head, you know, coaches in the NFL and in all sports, they sort of live in a world where, they have to perform immediately or they're gone. Um, mm. do, do you feel like I'm as, as a teacher, I get into my classroom, I close the door and I, and I teach, uh, you, you know, Ian does whatever Ian does and he just does it. And 
there's maybe some some freedom in that because it's not like you know every single thing that you do is under a microscope and obviously my job's important and i and i take a lot of pride in it but i also know that uh, i can sit back and look at what i do and go i should have done this better i should have done that better i can improve this here um you know I don't know if it, and I've I've never been on broadcast TV, so I don't know. Do you have do you have that same feeling of pressure every time you sit, you know sit in front of the camera? Where you know obviously you're under a microscope, you're mm-hmm. on camera. Mm-hmm. Is every mis- does it feel like every mistake is magnified? Every you know every little thing is, is so blown up that like it's it's very pressure filled, almost like a head coach of a you know <laughs> like the Denver Broncos. I mean, the short answer is yes. I think I can relate to what those those coaches might be feeling or what some of the players might be feeling because, yeah, you, when the lights on, lights, camera, action, my job is to perform. And I'm human. We all are. So we all make mistakes. And when those mistakes happen, oftentimes they are amplified, especially in this age of social media and the advancement of technology. So it's a lot of pressure. I mean, I, I think there's another Another aspect that I can relate to, and that is I was a Division One college athlete. I ran cross-country and track at Washington State University, and um, I was, you know, competing against some of the best distance runners in the country as a Pac-12. It was Pac-10 at the time for me um, as a Pac-12 school, and so you're, you're competing against the likes of Stanford and UCLA and University of Washington. University of Colorado, obviously, is an incredible incredible cross-country powerhouse and you know coming into that situation from being sort of a top dog in high school and then going into the collegiate level of of athleticism you end up going from the being the big fish in the small pond to being like the tiny fish in the giant ocean and I imagine that that might be a little bit of what some of these people are feeling as you know rookie players or as, as rookie head coach and so I feel like you know that personal experience makes me want to give all these people a little bit of grace uh, to work out the bugs, to build upon some experience, to develop some foundation in order to reach that pinnacle of success. Um, And it is a lot of pressure. But again, these people wouldn't be in the position that they have unless they were ready for that amount of pressure. And so while they're going to make mistakes, I mean, they're getting paid a lot of money to be able to have a job that a lot of people are envious of and would love to have an opportunity like that, you know, win or lose. And so I really hope that Vance Joseph can pull it together. I hope our, our team starts to have some cohesion and, and get, gets that magic back that we know the Broncos have always, but, you know, maybe lost a little over or, or couldn't find in the last season. And um, it's, it's high pressure, high stakes, but, they have, I have high hopes. What was your feeling after Super Bowl 50? Because you mentioned Super Bowl 32 and how incredible that moment was just throughout the course of the game. And then as you look back on it now, you remember mm. just the amazing moments. But how did you feel after Super Bowl 50? And did it make you appreciate what they accomplished those back-to-back Super Bowl years? a little bit more. Oh, yes. I mean, I remember, you know, not long before that with a totally disappointing upset in the the Super Bowl against the Seahawks and having also spent 
part of my existence in the Pacific Northwest. That was especially painful to lose to that team in such a big way. And so I think, you know, what was extra special about Super Bowl 50 was one, I was on my maternity leave. I just had my daughter in January. So uh, we were able to really just let loose and, and have fun with the whole family watching that. But it just felt like the Broncos returned to their glory days. You know, that was a a game in which they dominated from the beginning. The defense showed up big time. You had Von Miller out there, his speed, his ability to disrupt a quarterback like Cam Newton. It was like all cylinders were firing. And then, of course, we had Peyton Manning at the helm of QB. It just reminded me of, again, sort of that that last Super Bowl that stood out in my mind in such the such a you know heartwarming way in 1998, um, there were so many parallels, and it was again kind of the glory days had returned for for Broncos. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I've never drawn a parallel between Super Bowl 32 and when the when the Broncos beat. I've never done that, but to hear you say that, it is sort of interesting that that was kind of that sort of that final moment for the, you know, these great quarterbacks. And obviously Elway came back and won the next year. And so it's a little bit different, but that idea of, you know, these two great quarterbacks who'd pretty much done everything on their own for their entire careers, reaching the end of their careers and now being the ones who are kind of being carried by the rest of the team. It's an interesting parallel to make there. I, I, I don't know why I never made that connection. Well, and I think the reason I see parallel is because it was a grind to get that Super Bowl win both times. Where, you know, leading leading up to that moment in 1998, leading up to the moment in Super Bowl 50, having had some really tough losses in Super Bowls prior. Yeah, definitely. Uh, aside from John Elway, who were, who were some of your favorite Broncos? Well, I, I think I mentioned the Shannon Sharps and Rod Smiths and Ed McCaffrey. I mean, I love those guys as a kid um, who were all part of that winning team and Terrell Davis, of course, TD, who who doesn't love him. Um, they, they were definitely the faves growing up and to this day are still huge favorites of mine. And, you know, some of them come with big personalities, too. But again, the the grit, the passion, the um, again, the, t- the, the team bond that they all seem to have, the way they were able to fire on all cylinders, it just makes that team really stand out to me. And now, obviously, we have some amazing talent and I guess I'm on the Von Miller bandwagon along with the Demarius Thomas bandwagon um the Chris Harris Jr. bandwagon one thing I will say about Chris Harris Jr. I feel like he's been a little bit of a diamond in the rough I've seen him grow a lot since he came on the Broncos team and again he's somebody who I felt like as a younger player he made some mistakes some really pivotal mistakes in in close games but it made me so excited to see how he's gotten better and better and better and has become such a, a, a playmaker and game changer on the defensive side. Uh, he's definitely one of my favorites because of, of his his never give up attitude that I've, you know, I'm seeing him show week in and week out on the field. Yeah. And that that ties into your underdog story because he he was an undrafted free agent just like rod smith was so that that completely makes sense undrafted free agent to arguably the best cornerback in the nfl today i mean that's kind of he's you're certainly you know hit the nail on the head with that one the the grit to sort of continue to fight you know those guys don't don't often make it that far and now he's we're maybe watching a hall of fame career with him 
because of his determination. It is, you're right. It's very fun to watch. And you talk about the pressure and how people perform under pressure can make or break somebody's career at this level. And I feel like he is somebody who, again, he hasn't been perfect. He's not somebody who you watch and you feel like he was a star from the, the get go, but he's become this star slowly over time. And it's people like him that make me really, really excited and are endearing to me because you see, you see their hard work pay off. Why aren't there more Broncos in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I'm the wrong person to ask that question. <laughs> I think it's because, in in large part, Broncos work as a team. And so you have, you know, Hall of Famers who are just total superstars. They're standalones in many respects. And Broncos have their star players, their standouts, some that we just mentioned, obviously. But by and large, their success is because of their team's ability to work together. And that may mean, you know, not one person always rises above or two or three people rise above. Um, But I think that's a testament to what a strong, strong team they have, where they're able to get, get the most out of the talent that's on the team, even if they aren't the superstars of the league. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. You know, it's interesting that you say that because um, Kevin Durant uh, actually talked about, you know, I didn't win the MVP because, uh, you know, I'm on a team of superstars. He said, but it's harder to stand out on a team of superstars when you are one of Mm. uh, many superstars versus being just the only superstar on the team. Maybe a little shot at LeBron, but kind of an interesting uh, way to look at it as well when you're kind of. You know, totally. On That's a, great a good point. Team, you maybe don't stand out as well or as much as somebody who's not on a great team, but they're just a great player. Um, but it also goes back so many, to say, you know, like, you know, what makes somebody great? Is it because they are by themselves great or is it because, you know, they're working with a great quarterback if you're a wide receiver and vice versa? Or, you know, you have again, it it, it is a team sport. So it's sometimes you have a really good player, but if you're not able to connect all the dots and put all the puzzle pieces together, that great player could crumble um, because you can't do it on your own. No single player can make or break their team. But if you have a lot of good players, you can all work together. Or if you have a lot of bad, no, I, no one really has a lot of bad players. I mean, you have some good, some bad. And then if you don't have the right dots and the right glue connecting them together, that's the problem. But I, I think that's what I what I see is that in order to be great, you have to depend on other people to be great. Um, you know, I'm I guess I'm I'm kind of curious. Do you because you you work the weekends? Do you get an opportunity to to watch the games, or is it more of like you kind of are sort of watching out of the corner of your eye and and seeing what's going on? Like, what is the the dynamic with that? Well, that's the hard part about my current schedule, and that's what I really miss. I guess if there was a good time to make that transition to my current schedule, it was last year because I started my current position last March, so a little over a year ago, almost a year and a half ago now. And so some of the, the worst of the last season was during my, my work shift, and I it was easy to turn away and, and just focus on my job. Um, you know, I think that's that part is hard. I miss. I miss my Bronco Sundays with my family rooting them on at home. Um, but at the same time, it gives me a nice little distraction during the, during the workday to, to continue to follow along and to continue to be part of the, the Bronco fandom out there. When are you off the, when, when are you off the air on Sundays? Are you, if they play, say it like if they play two or two thirty, 
Western time or uh, Mountain Time, are you able to to catch at least? part of the game like the second half yeah usually it is at least the end of the the game or second half of the game my sundays sort of vary on the out time but i'm on air starting at 5 p.m eastern so usually um i'm off somewhere between 7 and 9 p.m eastern depending on the week um so i really look forward to those sunday night football games and those monday night football games when i'm able to tune in and uh you know have a glass of wine crack a beer and and toast right along with everybody else who's watching. What when you're when you are able to watch a game, do you have a ritual or a routine? Do you have uh, like a jersey that that you wear, or if, do you do the same thing if they if they win multiple games to keep the winning streak going? Are you superstitious? I'm not superstitious, but I laugh thinking about it because I, I'm trying, I'm searching for the name of the song in my head, but I, I only know how it goes. You know, the, the old song, it's the one that everybody plays. I don't know the name of it. I, I believe the name of that song is actually Hey. Is that just Hey? I, I think it's just Hey. <laughs> Well, that's an easy one. I, I don't know why I didn't know the name of it all these years. But, um, you know, we would play that song every time the Broncos scored a touchdown with my family when we'd be watching as a family um, on those Broncos Sundays. So that's the tradition that comes to my mind. The other tradition that comes to my mind is oftentimes we use our Bronco touchdowns and scores as an opportunity to get in better shape. And uh, we do push-ups and sit-ups for, for scores. And having a large family, it gets to be kind of fun and silly, but we do usually 10 push-ups for every touchdown and 20 sit-ups for every field goal. So those are some of the traditions that uh, we do within our Cabrera household. Nice. I, I like that. That's interesting. And now everyone is humming, hey. <laughs> yeah, yes, they are. <laughs> it's running through their head as, as, as we're talking here. It's, it's sort of that pump-up song right i mean that was the song we would do during the scores but if i were to again go back to my days as a college athlete myself that would be my equivalent of eye of the tiger that i used to play Um, before a race did you so did you have your own superstitions as an athlete i mean i remember for me growing up playing baseball and, and you know doing those kinds of things i had silly superstitions with my socks and things like that did you have anything like that no just the usual routine but no major superstitions. I'm not a real superstitious person. I would do, you know, the usual breakfast, same time, same, you know, same type of breakfast before my races. Usually put out my outfit the night before, but it wasn't necessarily because of a superstitious thing. It was more just because I like routine. That makes total sense. Um, I wish I had a more interesting answer for you there. (laughs) They they can't all be pearls, you know. Sometimes you just are what you are. Are there yeah. other uh, Denver sport? Are you do you are you into the Avs or the Nuggets or the Rockies or is it just mainly the Broncos? Mainly the Broncos. Although the Rockies, they came around when I was growing up too. I used to go to Rockies games, so I'm I'm a I'm a big Rockies fan as well, which has had its highs and lows in recent years and decades. Um, I was I was working in Spokane, Washington when the Rockies went to the World Series and that boy what a thrill that was that year. Um so I'm kind of a fair weather fan when it comes to some of our other Denver 
sports teams or Colorado sports teams, but through and through Broncos fan. Okay. You know, we're, we're not really supposed to talk about the Rockies. We jinxed them last year. I'm surprised Ian brought them up, although – They've been we're not going to jinx them this year. We're, we're not, I was going to say, we, don't, we won't have that opportunity this year. <laughs> <laughs> they, what, they were on top of the division when we talked about them last year, right? Am I, we were. And, yeah, we, no, they were. They were. We, it's we like you don't bad. even want to say the name anymore, huh? Well, I, I mean, we're both Yankee fans, too, so it's almost like. Oh, that's so fun. It's almost like it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of an interesting question. Who is. Who is your, uh, in your mind, who is the biggest rival for the Broncos? Who is the team that you hate most? Oh, that's a tough one. It's either the Raiders or the Chiefs. Mm, good answer. I mean, those are the two. I just feel like they're mean. It, it's like they're easy villains. So you're not, so it's kind of an interesting dynamic. And I, I'll ask you this one sort of as a follow-up here, because I would say more recently fans, uh, more like I would say younger fans, I hate saying that because, I don't like to feel older, but um, <laughs> we are getting old. Yeah. Though, let's just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's when you ask them who's their who's the biggest rival, they say you know it's it's the Patriots, it's Tom Brady and the Patriots. Oh, yeah. So, but for me, you know, it's the Raiders. That's my answer. It's yep. the Raiders. I hate the Raiders. Raiders. I will always hate the Raiders. Always. Um, for, and then the forever. Chiefs. And then the Chiefs. That's that's the way it is. But is that sort of so? It's not the Patriots at all for you. You don't even notice them. Or? Oh no! I mean, I don't even. I, I don't like the Patriots, I have to say, and I feel almost like I have to look over my shoulder when I'm saying that because we have a lot of uh, New England fans here in the Northeast being in New York. John Berman's office used to be right next door to mine, and he's like a diehard Patriots fan. But Ugh. no, I mean, they just – I just don't – I just don't get – I just don't get it. I mean, Patriots have this level of dominance and arrogance that makes them very difficult to embrace for me, especially as a Broncos fan and as a division rival. But obviously going back to the days of, like I said, living and breathing Denver Broncos since I was born, the Chiefs and the Raiders historically have always been the biggest fighters. Well, they'll they'll always be there too. They're always going to be in the division, so that's not going to go away. Yep. Yep. Born and raised Raider hater. <laughs> That's one way to put it. And the funny thing is, like I mentioned, my dad's from California and, and uh, had family in the Bay Area. But no, nope, no Oakland Raiders here. So was no, he, thank you. Was he a 49ers fan then? When did he when did your dad end up in, in the Colorado area? When did he end up in Denver? In high school, okay. He came to he came to Colorado in high school, and then he went on to go to college at CU. And so he's been really a Colorado sports fan as long as I, I've ever known. Um, and then my mom grew up on a farm in Wisconsin, and I don't think her parents were big sports fans at all. And so she's always been more of a Broncos fan than a Packers fan. It's an easy switch to make, I think. Root for the Broncos, right. root for the Packers. It's root for the Broncos. It's an easy, it's an easy switch. It's easy enough, exactly. <laughs> well, I think that, it, that take, I think that takes care of all the questions that we have. So we we definitely appreciate you taking the time to to chat with us and coming on the podcast. It, I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was very fun. I love talking Broncos. I love your enthusiasm. I love your guys's knowledge. I'm so impressed with the amount of 
of knowledge and depth and uh, it's really fun to share some time talking Broncos with you guys. It gives me a little bit of a, a, a sense of serenity from the crazy news world that I live in and breathe week in and week out. Especially this time. Yeah, especially right now. That's, that's what sports are for, right? Give you, give you a little bit of a break, a little bit of respite. Totally, totally. And we'll definitely have to have you on again, especially once the season starts. Well, I was going to say, let's, you know, right. You hear, you heard it here. They're going to have a winning season. I don't know if that means playoffs, but they're going to have a winning season this year. Okay. So does that mean, does that mean eight and eight or are they going to have nine wins? Nine wins. Eight and eight is not a winning season, right? At least nine wins. Okay. I like that. See, eight and eight is not a winning season. So, well, I guess it could be if they made it to the playoffs, if 8-8 eight and eight got them to the playoffs, which has happened in the past, right? It has. I, I think 7-9. and nine, I, There's been seven and, a couple of times 7-9 and nine has gotten people into the playoffs, but that's not a winning season. But no. <laughs> you can make that distinction. But we'll we'll have to have you back on uh, as the season goes on, and, and you can check in on your, on your prediction and, and let us know what you think about how things are going. Yes, right. absolutely. I love that, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you, Anna. We appreciate it. Have a great one. You too. You too. That was Anna Cabrera of uh, CNN. Uh, Very cool to have her uh, on the show checking in. Uh, It was was great to have her, um, you know, show that there's Bronco Bronco fans everywhere. Broncos country is is a big country out there. Um, In every walk of life. And in in every walk of life. Absolutely. What, uh, anything else we need to touch on, Ian, here before we head on out or before we move on i don't know if we want to touch on it now or save it for next week but uh nfl network had its list of most important broncos so maybe we should save that for next week because it's not it's not something that well i think i let's, we need to touch on now no it's it's a it's a great cliffhanger and i think it gives you an opportunity to to make a case for your most important bronco who i know for a fact, is not going to be what most people think it should be. So, um, I actually have two of them that that aren't going to that that will surprise people, and it, it should one of them shouldn't because his nickname is the franchise. So he's giving that one away. So I'm giving that one away. So the other one will surprise people. So the cliffhanger is actually and I actually have him at number three. Number three, interesting, interesting. All right, well we will let's do that. Let's leave that there as our cliffhanger. Um, we are on to, I mean, I guess training camp starts in like, and in in how, how far away are we from training camp? A month. So awesome. we're still on the don't do anything stupid. And can I just say we are also in the, uh, the, the chargers will win the division season. I, I love this time of year, uh, when all of the tweets are about how great the chargers are going to be. And then by uh, the end of September, that's all over. So that, that is the season we're in. Don't do anything stupid. And the chargers are going to win the division. And I say that laughingly. And um, we're on to training camp after that and our cliffhanger. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that for some reason or another, seems smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, 
maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.